0: All right, good morning. Hey, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you guys this morning. Uh, this past weekend uh, was a pretty exciting weekend because football is now back. So I know <laughs> many of you here are probably, uh, probably watched some games yesterday. I know there's another one today. Um, it's always a fun, exciting season to see everybody wear their colors to, to church and to to eat. And I was wearing my Alabama gear yesterday. I know it's not popular here, but... Um, we did well, too, so I told Grace yesterday, I think everybody should be in a good mood, though, because Kentucky, Tennessee, and Alabama all won yesterday, so I think we're pretty much covered, so we should be in good spirits this morning. But football season's always a fun time of the year. Um, everybody gets really excited and passionate, and, and I've, been a, I've been a lifelong fan of Alabama's football team, um, but there's only... there's only <laughs> Thank you, real <laughs> But There's definitely certain things that uh, I wouldn't do to support them. So I'll I'll wear their jersey, you know, I'll I'll go to games, I'll talk about them and watch them. But, you know, if Nick Saban came out tomorrow and said that if you're going to support Alabama, you have to, you know, wear the LGBTQ pride logo from now on out, then there's a limit there. You know, I wouldn't go that far. And it's because I'm a fan of Alabama's football team, but I'm I'm not a a disciple of their team. And I'm a supporter, but I'm not a disciple. And there's there's a difference there. And the same is true in our church lives today, as we're going to talk about this morning. It's easy to be a fan and a supporter, especially when a team is good, especially when a church is going well and there's excitement going on. But being a disciple is a whole different story. It takes a lot, lot deeper commitment to that and a lot deeper walk with Christ. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And I want to read off the passage again in Matthew, because that's our main focus today. And I actually kind of retitled this message, a call to discipleship. Because discipleship is important in the church, but it's actually a calling for all Christians. It's not just a great suggestion or something that would be good to do. Discipleship is a call that all of us have in our lives as believers, whether we're in church or not. And so I want to challenge us here today in Matthew chapter 27, I'm sorry, 28, verses 16 through 20. And I'll read it off one more time. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And Now catch this part here in verse 20. This is what we're going to be kind of talking about more this morning. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So before we dive into the call that Jesus puts in our life to make disciples, we have to understand first what is a disciple. And that word is thrown around a lot in church, but sometimes we don't have a great definition of what that looks like. The number one thing I want us to talk about this morning is, you can't make disciples if you're not a disciple yourself. You You can't make disciples if you're not a true disciple yourself. That would be like trying to encourage somebody to take on a position at work and trying to train them to be a leader when you're not a leader yourself. You're going to fail, you're going to fall short. You can't train up disciples if you don't know what it is yourself and if you're not actively a disciple yourself. So what is a disciple? Um, A disciple is committed to doing whatever the leader says to do. They have complete trust in that person. Even if the person tells them to do something that maybe seems unrealistic, they will go forth and do with all they have within them. And this is the difference between being a supporter and a, and a disciple. If you're a supporter of Jesus Christ, you may believe the stories in the Bible. You may believe that He is a Savior. And you come to church and maybe you worship Him sometimes. But when He calls you to do something that is challenging or outside of your comfort zone or maybe even dangerous, you draw a line. You say, there's only so far I'd go to support that person or that cause. A disciple has no limitations. It says, whatever that person calls me to do, whatever they lead me in, I'm going to go forth and do it, and not do it half-heartedly, do it full-heartedly, because I completely trust my life to that person. That's why you're not a disciple of many people. Hopefully, you're really only a disciple of Jesus Christ. Because a disciple involves a much deeper commitment than just being a supporter, or a fan, or a follower. The difference between a churchgoer and a follower of Jesus is like this. A churchgoer follower of Jesus may like a lot of things going on in the church. They may enjoy things about Jesus. They may even worship Him from time to time. They may go to a ministry project. However, when life gets hard and something unexpected happens, they may also be very easily able to flee from the faith because they don't have a deep, rooted commitment in Christ. Furthermore, the Holy Spirit prompts them do something outside of their comfort zone, they'll become uncommitted very quickly and use every excuse in the book on why they can't do what God's calling them to do. And you see this a lot in churches today. You know, God has a mission project on your heart or maybe God has a ministry on your heart and you go to maybe a pastor or a church leader and you say, hey, Brother Bradley, you know, I feel like God, I've been talking to God lately and he laid on my heart just keeps pressing me to start a women's ministry, maybe something like that. And if I were to encourage you and say, well, that's great. Why don't you take a lead in that and start that ministry? Why well, would you say, well, well that's, not, that's not what I mean. I, just, I think maybe somebody else should do that. Sometimes God is prompting you and prompting your heart to do something for Him, and maybe you're not comfortable doing that, but He'll give you the comfort and the strength and the peace and the people over time to build that ministry up. And there's a great saying that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the call. So if God is calling you to do something, Understand that God's going to equip you along the way. And the church will help and support, but God may also be calling you to lead that ministry. That will be the ministry that God's put on your heart. A disciple of Jesus Christ is all in in all parts of life. Whether it seems rational or not, whatever Jesus calls them to do, they run and do it without making excuses. Now I want you guys to think about this. A disciple of Jesus does not only worship on Sunday mornings, but worship is a part of their everyday routine. I want you to think about that this morning. Worship is a part of their everyday routine. They don't put on their calendar, Sunday morning is my time to worship God, and the rest of the week is time to do my own thing. Worship is a part of their everyday routine. Now, worship doesn't always mean just singing songs, oh, that's a wonderful way to worship. It also means, you know, doing things, reading His Word, studying, setting time each day for Him, having an active prayer life. You know, how many of you, when when you leave Sunday morning, You don't open your Bibles again until the next Sunday morning. How many of you leave Sunday morning and really don't pray throughout the week until you come to prayer time on Sunday morning? Worship is a part of your everyday routine if you're a disciple because, again, He's the most important person in your life, and you're fully bought out into His mission and His plan. They have a clear understanding of their mission and call here on earth. They're also willing to give up whatever it takes to achieve that mission and that call. So you look at the the passage here. In Matthew 28, it says the 11 disciples. Now, some people will say, well, there was 12, but at this point, Judas had already betrayed Jesus. And so you have the 11 disciples here as as Jesus is about to go up into heaven, to send back into heaven. And he tells them, these are the most committed followers of him. These are people that have lived with him three years in a row, you know, pretty much every day, doing things for his glory. And he tells them to make disciples of all nations, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And if you do that, I promise I'm going to be with you always, to the very end of the age. And if you look through the rest of the New Testament, especially the writings of Paul, you'll see that they did some crazy things to spread the Gospel back then. The society they lived in was very, very anti-Christian. You know, the Roman government was in power. They did, they did not support Christianity. They did not support the cause of Jesus Christ. And so a lot of times if they did, somebody supported that, their life was actually in danger. Very easily they could have died. Most of the disciples ended up giving their lives for this mission, if you go back and read through the New Testament. But there's also other things they gave up to follow Jesus. I want you guys to listen to this here in Mark 120. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with them, and they're hired servants and followed him. So you look at Mark. Mark, uh, God says, I want you to be my disciple. Uh, Mark and John, then they, they immediately come and flee and, and, and follow him. They leave, their, they leave their occupation. They leave their, their father. I mean, think about that. That's how hard that would be, in that, especially in that time period. A lot of these people are fishermen. And so they're not making a huge salary anyways. And Jesus is calling them to leave all that behind. Trust me, I'll provide for you. And they leave all of that and run after him. That's a major sacrifice that they made back then. If you look in Luke 9, 57 through 62, it says, As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So Jesus then turns around and speaks to that person. He says, Foxes have holes and birds have air. I mean, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my Father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as far as for you, you come and go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. When Jesus called the disciples in the Bible, they immediately left and followed him. They left all their previous things they were tied to behind and ran after him. They gave up safety, they gave up their jobs, and like I said, many of them gave up their lives in the end. And now Jesus is not calling all of us to go... And leave everything behind necessarily. But he's saying that if you want to be my disciple, you have to value me so much more than everything else that if my mission and my calling takes you away from something like that, you're willing to leave it behind to do what I'm calling you to do. And there's many of us today that, especially in America, as blessed as we are possession wise, we have all kinds of possessions and we have all kinds of activities and TV and all this kind of thing. You know, God prompts you and puts it in your heart to get rid of the boat, or get rid of the TV, or get rid of this, or get rid of that because it's causing a distraction in your life, many of us will say, no, there's no, I can't get rid of that. I'm sorry, God. Like, you know, that's, that's my time throughout the week. You, know, you have your time on Sunday. Think about in your life today, is there anything that you couldn't give up to follow Christ? And if so, that thing with that person has become an idol in your life. And until you get rid of that idol and lay it at God's feet, and say, God, I'm willing to get rid of it, if it means following you, and if you call me to get rid of that, is when you start truly becoming a disciple for Jesus, and He starts to use you in a powerful way. Because if you're holding on to things in your life, especially material things, eventually this world is going to fade away, and all those things are going to fade away too. And the only thing that's going to last is what you did for Christ and His kingdom. So if you have things you're holding on to today, that you value more than God, you're never going to be a full disciple until you let those things get go at His feet. A disciple can be... A disciple, a disciple can be defined as someone that denies themselves, takes up their cross every day, and follows Jesus. And so I want you guys to think about which one are you this morning. And if you are a disciple, your next call, like Jesus called these disciples, is to make other disciples. So I want us to look at that this morning, the importance of discipleship. Discipleship can be defined as the intentional process of guiding and equipping individuals To become committed followers of Christ. It involves teaching, mentoring, and nurturing believers to grow in their knowledge of God's Word and develop a deeper relationship with Him. And it also calls you to teach others to live out the teachings of Jesus in their daily lives. Think about what it says here in Matthew again. It says, In teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. If you're going to teach somebody to obey everything that God's commanded for them to do, It's not gonna take one conversation, okay? There's no way you're gonna be able to tell the whole Bible in one conversation. It's an ongoing process. It's a commitment you make to that person and their spiritual well-being. A lot of times this happens between an older person and a younger person. Somebody that's been through that stage of life, they understand the trials and the issues that come, they see somebody younger that's about to go through the same things. Maybe somebody's about to have a kid or maybe somebody's about to get married And you've been married for 10 years and you've had kids and they've grown up. You understand that struggle, that next trial that life's going to throw at them. And so you take it upon yourself to set time aside and pour into that person. You set time aside to teach them lessons you've learned, mistakes you've made, and things you've learned from those. You take time to teach them what God's Word says about that stage in their life and how to encourage and equip them. And again, this is not a one-time conversation. It's an ongoing process. And if the church can grab hold of this idea of the older poured into the younger, and then those people pour into their younger people, and the whole church is poured into others, as they're also getting poured into by their own discipleship and, and poured into God's Word, the church gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And you have people passionate and on fire, and people that grow up in the church, by the time they're 20, 30, 40 years old, they're ready to be the next leaders of the church because they're prepared, and, and, and they have that knowledge and that, and that confidence in God. Jesus commands all disciples to go forth and make more disciples. It's an active and ongoing process for each believer's life. It doesn't just stop when you make one disciple. I want you guys to think about this here. The most important mission you have on earth, regardless of your job title, is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I want you to think about that. The most important job you have on earth, regardless of what you do on your typical workday job, is to make disciples for Jesus Christ. When you get to heaven, there's gonna be managers, there's gonna be CEOs there, there's gonna be people that just worked the, the basic entry level jobs. And Jesus is not going to say, hey congratulations, you moved all the way up in the company. You're the CEO or you worked, you know, all this time, I'm I'm so proud of you. He's gonna he's gonna look and say, Did you make disciples for me? In the position that I put you in, did you pour out everything you you had? and to live in a life that honored and glorified me, and did you make other disciples? And if the answer is no, it doesn't matter what position you held on earthly position, that's not going to be good enough. Jesus says the most important call we have in our life is to, one, be a disciple for him, and then make other disciples for him. So this is where mo- many of the churches start making excuses. 95% of Christians do not share their faith with anybody. 95% of Christians never share their faith with anybody. And then the church wants to complain about society today and why the society's not following God. Well, if ninety five percent of you guys aren't sharing your faith, then no wonder the society turning away from God. Because society's sharing their beliefs every day. And if the church wants to step up and start sharing their beliefs, we would see a change in our country. We would see a change in society. The part the part that gets people is they don't know how to start this, how to go. Again, the, the, the concept here is to go. And, and if you want to make disciples, you have to first share the gospel with somebody. And so how do you do that? I want you to think about this today. If you're trying to share the gospel with somebody, you don't have to have a certain script. You don't have to have a certain background, a certain theological belief. Just take what God's laid on your heart, what God's done for you, and trust. Again, full-heartedly, a disciple full-heartedly their leader that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the words to say. In the right moment. And the Holy Spirit is going to open the doors. And when he opens the doors, have confidence in him. Because again, none of us are going to save anybody. Our job is not to save anybody. Our job is to point them to the Savior. And so if we do that this morning, if we just point them to the Savior, it's their decision if they follow Christ or not. That's our part. That's our mission. That's our focus. is to point them to him. Sharing the gospel starts with looking for divine appointments in your daily life. I want you to think of this concept. Somebody told me this recently, and um, I I just keep thinking about it, and it keeps sticking in my mind, and it's a very interesting concept called divine appointments. And what that is is that a lot of people will say, well, God, I don't have any opportunity to share the gospel. In my life, I just don't see any chance or any opportunity to share the gospel. But if you're not actively looking for those opportunities, you're probably missing them. And what I mean by that is that God puts divine appointments in, in everybody's life, in your current position and what you're doing now, whether you're retired or whether you're working you know, 60 hours a week, there are people you're going to come in contact with at the grocery store, at work, even at church. And if you're open to the Holy Spirit using you to share the gospel, you're going to, and you pray that God open my eyes to who you want me to share with today, God will put divine appointments in your life to share with that person. He's going to put somebody in your pathway. You're going to cross somebody that, that needs help and encouragement. But if you're too busy and too focused on other things besides God, you'll miss what opportunity that was in front of you. Think about this. You may go to the checkout counter at Kroger or Publix or wherever you buy groceries, and the checkout person, whether it's a girl or a boy, maybe they're, they're really depressed. They just seem like they're in a horrible mood, you know, and our selfish human nature... To look at that and say, Man, I got the worst checkout person here. It's going to be a, a rough line here. You know, they're taking forever, and you get annoyed with them. You're checking your phone, other things going on, and your mind's racing to what you got to do after the grocery store. And you missed the divine appointment that God put in front of you. Because God may have put you there because He knew you could encourage that person. And you had a word of just encouragement that you could share with that person that could change their whole day around. But instead, we were so focused on everything else. Then we missed it, and then we tell God, I don't have any divine appointments in my life. That's not true. You have to open your eyes to them and to see them. There are people out there that are lost and are hurting. And I I will tell you this, it's amazing how many people, if you look at them and just say, hey, how's your day going? And, and And they tell you whatever answer. If you ask them, is there anything I can just pray for you about today? Just a short little prayer. Most people, even if they're not religious whatsoever, will allow you to pray for them. There's something about that. Most people will give you some kind of thing that's going on in their life, and that is an open door to sharing the gospel and and, and to point them back to Christ. Pray today that God will put someone in your path to witness to, and that God will give you the wisdom and strength to witness to that person when the opportunity arises. So I want you to think about your life right now and the season you're in. You may like it, you may not like it, but God has you in the season of your life for a reason. There are people God put in your life right now for a reason. Think for a moment about the lost people that you encounter every single day. Are you taking advantage of the divine appointments God has given you? If you want to be used mightily by God, it starts with being obedient in the callings He has in your life right now. If you can't witness to those you're around every day, then how are you gonna be able to witness to those you never met? If you've been, placed in a unique, you've been placed in a unique spot in this world that nobody else is in, there are people you're gonna come across in your life I will never encounter. There are people that that you're going to come across in your life that your family's never going to encounter. God has put certain people in your life that you probably see on a regular basis that no one else has that relationship with or that opportunity with. Are you taking advantage of it? Or are you just keeping your religion to yourself and letting them do their own life and then um, hoping for the best? Hoping for the best is not making disciples. And also I want you guys to think about this part here before we get to our last point. This is very important here. Listen to this one closely. Sharing the gospel also involves understanding the most important task each day. Looking for the most important task God has in your life each day. Here's what I mean by that. There was a, there was a CEO that, that, that wrote this concept several years ago. And he's a Christian. And he said that um, he would get so caught up in all the daily tasks, his emails, you know, he's got um, phone calls, text, he said, I was just slammed every day. He said, I would come in early in the morning, and he said, I would just dread going through all the emails and everything, but he said, my mind was just going a million places all day long. And he said, there was one day that a girl, um, there was a secretary, asked if she could meet with him privately for, you know, 15 minutes. And he said, no, I'm too busy, I just, you know, I don't have time for that, if I do that, the rest of the day is thrown off. They got stuff scheduled every single part of the day. And then he said he just felt this prompting from God to go talk to that person. He said he was upset about it, he was kind of bothered, but he said he, he couldn't shake that feeling. So he, he, he messaged the girl back and said, sure, let's go, let us go. me meet with you. Well, he meets with the secretary, and instead of her downloading more information about things he had to do, she let him know that her father had just passed away, and she was wondering if she could take off work that day. She was in tears and just in a really, really bad state. And he said immediately he realized that that was the most important task he could do that day, was to minister to that girl. So he said he had a chance to pray with her, to encourage her, just to support her. And he said, seeing the impact that made on that girl's life, he said, open my eyes to, I'm missing these things every single day because I'm so busy, and my mind is somewhere else. He said, you know, projects and things like that I have going on at work, those will come and go. But the mark I make on people for Jesus, that's what's going to last forever. And, and, and I think if we can pray every, every day that, Holy Spirit, let me not be so busy today that I miss the most important task today. God will put a person on your mind, a person on your heart, somebody you can just minister to and pour into, maybe just for 10, 15 minutes. But it will make an eternity impact if you do that. And as we conclude here, I want you guys to think about this. The last part about discipleship, if you do share the gospel and people start coming to faith, it's not just leaving them there. And um, a lot of churches that are are good outreach churches, I feel like can miss the mark sometimes in this because they share the gospel, they do do a great job with that, and many new believers are coming in, but then once they come in, they're kind of just left on their own to learn and and to grow. And again, discipleship is a commitment you have between somebody and God that you're going to pour into that person, invest in that person on a longer basis. So I want you guys to understand this. Understand that leading somebody to Christ does not mean your job as a Christian is over. This is witnessing, which is part of discipleship, but it's not discipleship in itself. It can start the process, but again, it's not discipleship in and of itself. Churches need a clear vision and mission for discipleship. They need a clearly outlined discipleship program, and they need to stick with it. They need to promote it and constantly talk about it, and they need to get everybody on board if everybody on board has the same mindset, the same vision, that discipleship's important, we're going to do that here, and it's biblical, then the whole church will benefit greatly because of it. And now this morning, I'm not here to give you some robust discipleship program. I'm I'm not in the position to do that. But I want to encourage you something discipleship-wise that you can do, whether you have a senior pastor or not, just as a Christian. One-on-ones are key to a great discipleship program. It's, in, it's, imp, it's important that a slightly older believer pours into a slightly younger believer. You know, it's great if anybody wants to disciple anybody in the church, but to me, the way it works best if you have a slightly older person pouring into a slightly younger, because, again, they just went through that stage of life and they can pour into that. One-on-one mentorship is a powerful component of discipleship. There should be intentional mentorship relationships where those being discipled can receive personalized guidance, support, and accountability from an experienced believer. Highlight the significance of the relationships in fostering spiritual growth, providing a safe place for questions and doubts, and modeling Christ-like character. Um, one, of the, one of the things that um, I went through when I was in college was we had a few professors that um, saw some similarities in students to where maybe they were at when they were in college, and they would ask if we could just get coffee once a month. You know, or every few weeks. Instead of talking about everything school-wise, they would ask, how's your life going? You know, how's campus life for you? You know, how are your relationships going? And it wasn't a a conversation where they could beat you down and say, oh, Bradley, how terrible a person you are. It was, you know, what's your struggles here, and and can I give you any kind of guidance or advice? And that was was instrumental uh, in growing uh, in that season of life. Because especially people that are in college, people that are young adults, they're experiencing things for the first time at a very fast pace. And, it's, and it's, sometimes it's hard to know what is the right thing to do. So having somebody that's experienced, that's been through that, they can just pour into them and say, Hey, look, Bradley, I've been there. I've done that. Let me, let me give you some advice that God's given me and what's worked for me. It, it helps that person so much. These one-on-one conversations can be a time where you just let that other person open up about struggles they're going through. You pray with them, you encourage them, and maybe you read some scripture off together. And it, the way discipleship works the best on one-on-ones is that that person not only meets with the person on maybe a, a monthly basis, but also each week maybe checks up on the person. Sends them a phone call or a text message and it says, how are you doing this week? Is there anything I can pray for you about? Any questions you may have? And if you can do a reading plan together, oh man, that's great. If you can read like, say like, you know, you're going to read Matthew 1-3 through this week. And then at the end of the week... You guys talk about it for a little bit. Say, what did you learn? And what did you learn? And you can learn from each other. You can grow from one another. And you can say, well, did you catch this point as well? And then all of a sudden, wow, now you're growing in Scripture together. You're praying together. You're encouraging one another. And then when life does get really hard for that person, whether it's hard right now or not, when it does get hard, they have somebody they can call right away and say, hey, so-and-so, I'm struggling. I need your help right now. And they have somebody in the church they can go to, and they feel comfortable doing that with it's a serious commitment, but it's important. And so what I want to challenge us with this morning, if you're somebody in the church that would like this kind of discipleship, this kind of mentorship from somebody that's, that's older, uh, I put a sheet out there as I was coming in to the sanctuary after Sunday school. There's a sheet out there you can sign your name, put, put your phone number and email, just to say, hey, I would, I would like having that kind of mentorship in my life. And then if you see somebody on that list, You think, hey, I'm about, you know, maybe 10 years older than that person. I would love to pour into that person. And preferably women on women and men on men because there can be some personal things that you can talk about. Then you can sign your name to the right side of that to say, hey, I'm agreeing to disciple this person. And again, it's not that you have to have some kind of robust program. It's just that you're committing to maybe meet with the person once a month and just checking in on them weekly and encouraging them. And it can look different for every person and gear differently toward every every person. But you'll see on the sign-up sheet in the back there, on the left-hand side, if you want to be mentored, whether you're older or younger, and just put your name, put your information, and then I want you guys to also be praying about those on the list and say, is God putting my heart, maybe I should be a disciple in that person. Maybe I should be a disciple in that person. And if so, put your name on the list and then contact one another. And that can take place outside the church and look different for everybody. But I believe if we do this as a church, it's going to be instrumental and growing at our church. If young people like college-age kids and and teenagers come to our church and they see that there's older people that want to pour into them and that are actively doing that, that will keep them here. And that will keep them growing and learning. In your discipleship times, as we close, I want to challenge you to meet with the person, like I said, once a month, talk about spiritual things, but also talk about life in general. You're going to be that person's accountability partner. In your discipleship times, cultivate a supportive, and nurturing environment it's not a come down session it's a build-up session in Christ foster a sense of belonging and acceptance where the person you're discipling feels comfortable sharing their struggles victories and questions I want you to cre- to think about creating opportunities for spiritual discussions prayer and fellowship to build authentic relationships in a strong community where you can thrive and learn from one another accountability is a crucial part in discipleship. Uh, there was a person, I'll share this as we closed, when I was in college, and like I said, it is nice to get somebody a little bit older, a little bit younger. This person was not a whole lot younger than me, because we were both in college together, but I was in a position at that point, I was older in college, and I was in a leadership position on campus. And he came to me privately one day, and we were friends, but... We weren't real close, and he came to me and he said, Bradley, can I talk to you for a minute? So I said, yeah, sure, you know, that's what I'm here for. And he opened up about something I, I just had no idea. The guy was a good guy, and I never thought he would have been involved in this, but he said, I'm really involved in pornography. He said, I, I, can't, I can't control it. He said, it's gotten to a point where it's happening every day, He said, and, and I can't get out of it. And, um, you know, being a younger Christian and in college, I was like, oh, gosh, that's a, that's a, that's a tough challenge uh, to, to overcome that. But I was like, God put me in this position for a reason, and let, let, me, let, me, let me think through that and pray through that. So I started meeting with the guy once a week, and we started meeting once a week, and I would ask him how, how, how life's going, how are things going, I would give him things, tips and tricks and things that I thought would, would help overcome some of that, and it helped. Um, and then uh, throughout the week sometimes, I would check in on him and say, hey, how's today going? And if he had a really hard day, there was times he came to me and said, hey, today I'm struggling. And I feel like I'm about to go down that road. Can I talk to you for a minute? Can we go take a walk somewhere? Can we go do something? And um, I even bought an app that went on his phone called Covenant Eyes that blocked him from going to certain sites. And if he went to those sites, I got a notification on my phone so I could have a conversation with him and say, hey, brother, I saw you struggle today. You know, can we talk about it? And I, I ended up paying for that even after I left college for quite some time. And today, uh, I believe the person's in a really good spot. He's in a really good spot uh, spiritually. But it was important that he was willing to come to me and ask to be mentored. He saw that that was something that I wasn't struggling with. I struggled with many other things. That was something that at that point in my life, I'd overcome that and not struggle with that. So he knew I could, I could pour into him and help him. And then I was willing to disciple him and, I, and it ended up being a wonderful relationship. And I was blessed from it too. So there's, a, there's two points of that. Be willing to be discipled by others. You're never too old to be discipled. disciple. You're never going to know it all. Be willing and be open to being a by somebody else. And if somebody else is asking for discipleship, even if you're already busy and you feel like your schedule is full, try to loosen things up where you have time to disciple that person. It will be one of the greatest blessings in your life to do so. And when you get to heaven one day, you'll be rewarded for that. And it makes a difference. So let me pray for us. Dora. thank you so much just for your message and your word in Matthew. Showing us, God, that you're calling us to go forth and make disciples, but also have a discipleship mindset. That we don't just make disciples and then leave it there, but we pour into that person over time. So, God, I ask that we be open this morning to being discipled by somebody else in the church, and that if we are open, somebody else in the church wants to disciple us and pour into us. Put that person in our hearts and minds this morning, and let us full-heartedly run after you as your disciple. In your name we pray. Amen. Wow.